Hi there, I'm talking to you. Yes, you. My name is Sherry, my pup's name is Sunny, and we're training to be an animal-assisted counseling team. You're listening to the Therapy Dog Talk podcast, the show that interviews past, present, and future therapy dog teams about how they're making an impact in their communities. Today we're talking with Kara about her journey to becoming a therapy dog team in upstate New York through Therapy Dogs International with her Australian cowboy dog, Walter. We'll discuss the variety of environments where dogs can volunteer, how registering through TDI has shaped where she wants to volunteer, and the importance of knowing how to make sure you have the liability insurance you need while volunteering. Before we hop in, if you're just getting started on your therapy dog journey and feeling a bit lost, I've put together a free guide for you, which you can find on my website at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. Without further ado, meet Kara and Walter. Hi! Hi, Sherry. Hi, Sunny. Hi. Hi, Walter. Hi, Kara. <laughs> How are you? And if I turn him over this way, he's going to like freak out and try to jump up. I know. Sunny won't stay either, but I figured I'd grab her for the beginning just to say hi. Well, he loves to sit like this in my chair, and it's a work chair, but if I rock back and forth, he's like a baby. He's like a rocking chair. <laughs> but if I put him over on this shoulder, he freaks out. Only that shoulder, please. There. He's there. like, Mom, this is my <laughs> best side, okay? <laughs> he really just likes to be held like a baby. That's so funny. Well, I'm going to let Sunny go because she's not about that life and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm so glad you could make it. I yeah, love me too. could let everyone who may not know you know your name, your pup's name, around where y'all are located. I'm Kara Conway Love and I run Dog Like Me and also Walter's account, which is Walter Duffy Dog. But I don't spend a lot of time on Walter's account just because I don't have time because I have a real job and this is supposed to be for fun. <laughs> but Dog Like Me is a feature account that I started about, well, I actually started working on it three years ago and launched it in March of 2019. And it's a community online to bring people together with their dogs. And every day we feature a story about a person in your dog. We featured you and lots of other people that we both know. And we feature all dogs and all people from around the world. They're not just therapy dogs. They're every kind of dog and every kind of person. So we just share their stories and we help people grow their Instagram and other social media by sharing strategies and tips and tricks and things like that and try to just help people grow their communities. Yeah, I love what you do there. Thank you. We're in upstate New York in the Saratoga Springs, which is about three hours north of New York City and just below the Adirondack Mountains. So we get outside a lot and like to do that kind of stuff, although not lately because it's been raining for a couple days. Walter is a certified therapy dog. He just got certified over the summer in early August and we'll probably get into more about that in a minute, but that's about us. Walter's two years old. He's a breed of doodle that most people have never heard of. He's called an Australian cobber dog, and it's C-O-B-B-E-R dog. It's all one word. It's actually a separate breed from a doodle, but they're very, very similar to Australian labradoodles, and he looks just like a labradoodle or a golden doodle. So when people say, oh, is that a labradoodle? I just say yes, because (laughs) explaining cobber dog is kind of people don't know what I'm talking about. So How did you find out about that breed? Well, I actually was looking for another dog. We had a golden doodle for 12 years. His name was Cooper, and he passed away in 2017. And then we moved to this area in Saratoga Springs, and we had to wait a little while to get a new dog. And we have a lot of allergies in our family, so we had to get a doodle or some hypoallergenic dog. So I was looking for a labradoodle, and this woman that I talked to not too far away from us said that she didn't have any litters coming up, but she recommended cobra dogs because I said, I'm looking for a dog that I would like to train eventually as a therapy dog. And she said, well, I don't know if you ever heard of this breed, cobra dogs, but they're 
are very popular in Europe and they're from Australia. That's where they're much more well known. They're very similar to Labradoodles and she recommended a breeder in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, which are the mountains just east of New York. So I got in touch with a couple of breeders there and there was a litter coming up and I mean, maybe it was six or eight months they were planning some more. So we waited a while for him to be born and then we got him about two and a half years ago. Why you waited quite a while then for him, huh? <laughs> we did. Yeah, we, it took a while. They're just very mild-mannered and mild-tempered dogs. And the yeah. breeder had said how common they're used as therapy dogs. And she was really selective about who she would sell her yeah. dogs because she wanted to make sure that the families were either in need of a therapy dog within the family or that you were going to train the dog and, you know, get certified and all that. And I had every intention to do that. It just took a long time because of COVID that our classes stopped right after yeah. we got the CGC certification. Then everything shut down with COVID. So we couldn't restart it until this past summer. Yeah, I think most people understand that COVID delays everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was glad that we got the CGC in because the class had already started when lockdown started, but the trainer just took everybody outside and we did the rest of the class outside and did the test outside. Okay. And then we waited another year plus to restart. So he lost yeah. a lot. I mean, it was hard to get back into training because we were home so much. I worked from home and it was hard to get out and have Walters be around other people and out in Home Depot and all the places that are dog friendly to get him used to therapy work. Yeah. So we still have a lot of that to do. I mean, he passed the test and he's really just such a people dog. He loves people and he always wants to be with people. What did you find was the biggest challenge returning to training after COVID? He just gets so excited around people that he wants to jump up on people. So that is still a challenge. And we work on that a lot. But when he was in the class and we finished up, he's like a different dog. He's so focused. It was really funny. Even after we had been away from the training course, when we got back there, he immediately went right back into sort of training mode. And he was really focused on me when we were going through all the training. And I practiced a lot of that. So I think the hardest part, though, was getting back into training outside of the class, yeah. like walking down the street and not have him get so excited to see people. We go to the dog park and he just runs around the people. I mean, he likes other dogs. He loves a couple of our family dogs, but we go to the dog park and he just was like running around the people and chasing his ball. Does he think he is a person? He totally thinks he's a person. Like I did one of those reels where, you know, that one where, do you ever think your dog is a human trapped inside them? You know, that one. I mean, that's totally him. That's one thing that's different about copper dogs is their eyes are really human-like because they're yeah. light colored. His wow. eyes were bright blue when we got him as a puppy and now they're sort of greenish yellow, but a lot of doodles have darker eyes. He looks like a human. Aww. Yeah. How did you know that you wanted a therapy dog? Well, I'd always wanted to do that and had heard of a bunch of different ways that people you know, use therapy dogs to volunteer and help other people. And I had wanted to do that since my kids are all grown up and out on their own now. I, you know, thought I would have more time on my hands. That was before I started dog like me. So I really don't have a lot of time, but I'm, um, you know, kind of obviously made time for the training and the classes and stuff. And we're just getting into the application process now for some therapy. Unfortunately, because of COVID, a lot of places are still shut down and they're not accepting new therapy dog teams. Mm -hmm. And some are not even accepting their existing teams. So I've got all the paperwork. I've got to get a couple of vaccine certification things so we can at least have our application pending at one of the local hospitals. And we have a school right across the street from us. So I also want to do some work in schools with him. 
That's great. Are schools the main thing you're wanting to do or is there a specific demographic Um, you're wanting to work with? Yeah, the demographic that I want to work with are more hospice or cancer patients, cancer patients who are in treatment, getting chemo and things like that. Both of my parents died of cancer and my mom volunteered at hospice for as long as I can remember, for almost like 25 years or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I don't love hospice. I don't love being around hospice, but I'm comfortable being around people who are dying. And I know the power of a therapy dog in those situations and I want to be able to bring him to comfort people because I, I mean look at him he will be so good at that so I want to do that and I also think that patients who are undergoing chemotherapy and other treatments are oftentimes waiting for so long and they're just sitting around waiting for the treatment so to support them and have him be able to visit patients doing that is something I'd really like to be able to do and there's one other type of therapy work that I heard about that I that's pretty unusual you know how sometimes if a woman is pregnant and has to go on bed rest and be hospitalized mm-hmm. that some hospitals allow therapy dogs to go in for the prepartum patients to okay. just hang out with them because they're just laying around for sometimes weeks and yeah. months in the hospital where they can't really even get out of bed so i hadn't thought of that but that makes sense animals have such a healing power my mom was on hospice as well and my cat who i would never think of a therapy animal but she at the time my mom loved it whenever i brought her over she would lay in yeah. the hospital bed with my mom and she loved it yeah but i think that was a unique situation for my cat i wouldn't really trust her to be a therapy cat but <laughs> <laughs> they have therapy cats they do yeah they totally yeah. do yeah wow yeah That's there's cool. actually one in the plot of soul i don't know if you've seen soul the disney movie but no um, i haven't seen that one yeah, there's oh, a therapy cat that's a pretty significant part of that plot, which is pretty interesting. But <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. What type of work do you want to do with Sunny when you're able to start? I'm not entirely sure yet. So I am in grad school to be a therapist and I'm leaning towards doing some play therapy focused type work and mm-hmm. integrating Sunny with that. She really loves kids a lot. And there's also a program near here that is part of the Department of Mental Health. Mm -hmm. They're like an agency with them. And they have a program called Pause and Pals that's for children with autism and dogs. And they're through Alliance. So that's kind of what we're working towards as a volunteer opportunity. But my main thing is really that I want her to be able to work in practice with me because I think that will actually be somewhere that she'll excel a little bit more than just in a not all therapy dogs are good for all situations. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Nanette from Hot Senior Pups just said therapy pigs, too. That's a new one. I have yeah, not heard of that. Yeah, her daughter's class had one. Yeah. yeah. Another situation where I was recently talking to someone about it before Walter's test was in the courtrooms where, especially mm-hmm. in family court, a lot of times where there's kids and victims of domestic violence and other people who could use comfort while they're sitting and waiting and, and being questioned and so forth. And I was talking to a, a lawyer that I I know because I'm a lawyer, but I don't mm-hmm. do family court work, but she's running a program in the area here in upstate New York that's trying to expand into different parts of New York State. So that's also something I might do. My first priority, though, is hospice and cancer work. And so that's what I'm doing first. And as far as children go, Walter hasn't been around a lot of young children. We were away over the summer and he stayed with a friend who watches her two-year-old granddaughter. So that was his first exposure to a small child. Apparently, he just loved her. I mean, and she She loved him. She was used to dogs, so she wasn't afraid. He's a little bigger than her dogs, but he was great with her. So, you know, he's only two once he maybe settles down a little bit more, then young children might be a great option for him too, but can't do everything, right? So I don't know. 
Yeah, I try. It never goes well for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too much is too much. Yeah, still trying to learn that lesson. I feel like Sunny may have had children in her original home. I'm not sure. The first time a child asked if they could meet her, I was like, okay, like their parent was with them. So, yeah. and she's never shown any sign of aggression or anything like that. And they were cool with it. So I let her and Sunny just acted like she hangs out with kids all the time. And I was like, yeah. you've never been around kids with me, but okay. So Yeah. Well, that's a good yeah. sign. Cause so yeah. she wasn't startled by them or anything because some dogs are, and it's not that they're aggressive, but they're just not used to it. So it's yeah. hard to spring it on them. And it's really not a good idea to do that if they're, you know, now that you know, if she's cut out for that, that's great. Yeah. Which organization did you end up going through? We did TDI. Okay. And once I got all the application paperwork in, they're based in New Jersey. And I was surprised at how quickly I got it all back from them. I have all the certification. It's just a matter of places being willing to let us start because of COVID. You know, hospitals around here, they're still not letting visitors in, at least volunteers. Yeah. Hopefully that will change soon. And I've got the application stuff ready to go in. So... And TDI works with the hospice works. They sent me a list of approved. They, they require an MOU, a memorandum okay. of understanding with facilities that they approve okay. and or that they have an arrangement with. Mm -hmm. So if you go somewhere that they don't have an agreement with, you're not covered by their insurance and you're not allowed to represent yourself as a TDI certified therapy team. So they gave me a list of things here in Saratoga County where I live. And there was a lot of them, a lot of schools, a lot of YMCAs, the hospitals, some other private places that would be appropriate. So I sort of gravitated towards the hospital and because I wanted to look into the cancer work yeah. and hospice. So, and then the school that's right around the corner would be really convenient. So, yeah, you brought but, up a really important point, which I think a lot of people don't realize is the insurance component involved mm -hmm. with therapy dogs. There's a lot of risk there, especially depending on what state you're in and what their laws are around dogs, as I'm sure you know, working mm -hmm. in law. And I remember I was watching a broadcast over Therapy Dog Day, I think back in April or something like that. And one of the things they were talking about is, you know, making sure that you have a policy kind of like in addition to the org's policy, just in case to protect yourselves because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's pretty limited what they can do. So I think that's a really important point that you pointed out is just yeah. making sure you know how you're covered by the org you go through and yeah. there's additional coverage that you should have because you want to protect your dog. And that's one thing that I think was really stressed to me when I was looking into everything is to make sure that, you know, your dog is your number one priority and you need to, right. need to read them. And if it's not a good environment for them, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally agree. Gwen at Oliver James Hudson just said that yeah. she took out the additional insurance for sure. I think what most people do and what you can do is whether you have renter's insurance or homeowner's insurance, you can add an umbrella policy on there for additional liability. And it's really reasonably inexpensive. And I think it's a good idea for everybody to have that. It's covered typically under homeowners or renter's insurance, but you have to find out what are the limits. I mean, you can get a million dollar policy for it's, you know, a couple hundred dollars maybe at $500 a year. So, and then TDI, as long as you go to a facility that they have an agreement with, you're covered for up to a million dollars of liability insurance. Yeah. So but they have very strict rules, which you have to read because you have to take all these tests and stuff. They're very strict about where you can go and what kind of work you can do. And even things so much as like you can't go into a children's ward without hospital staff or things like that, because they don't want to have any other liability. I mean, they're not running background checks on therapy dog teams. So they don't know who you are, that you're a good person and you're not somebody with bad intentions. 
totally. We're looking at going through Alliance mm-hmm. solely because I found the Pause and Pals program and they work exclusively with Alliance. Their insurance is dependent too on is your dog on a four foot or shorter leash? Are they within certain right. amounts of your distance? Because if those things aren't taken to an account, then they're not actually covered by their policy. Right. So. That's a great point. You have to have a short leash too. I think it's, it's yeah. four feet, right? For Alliance, it depends yes. on the org. They're not all four feet, but I know Alliance's. I have to check that rule because that's sort of ringing a bell in my head that when I took the test, there is a requirement that you also had to have a short leash. Where you can't yes. have a even a normal six foot leash. You have to have a shorter leash so that they're really right next to you. The rules are very specific. I'm sure they are for Alliance too. Yeah, I was talking to Adele about that last week because she has her own dog accessory company. She was talking about the adaptation she's making to her leashes so that you can convert them into a therapy dog leash when you're that's at a great idea appointment and then turn them back into a full leash when you leave so i was like man i wish i knew about that before i bought my four foot leash because yeah I that's a great learn. idea yeah. Yeah. Donna was asking about what private insurance is out there, but I think you kind of answered it a little bit because she yeah, it's, it's on your homeowner's insurance. What it would be called is an umbrella policy. So under your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance, you might have a liability portion of that. That would be so if somebody sues you that you're liable or you're responsible to pay those damages and the coverage would kick in for that. But there's a cap on that. So let's say your liability is $100,000 or $200,000. You can get another liability policy on top of that that called an umbrella policy that would insure you up to whatever your limit is on that umbrella, let's say a million dollars, which I recommend because again, it's not that expensive and you would hate for something unusual to happen and have that personal liability for it. Yeah, I would definitely recommend talking to whichever organizations you're going through to whichever insurance you have. If you have a legal person, you can talk to and just find out what's right for you. But that's something that doesn't get talked about very much is just knowing that that's something that you need to look at. So. Yeah, it's a good idea even without a dog. I don't know if this is true, but I once heard that the most claims for dog bites that insurance companies have are from golden retrievers. Hmm. The highest claims rate for dogs that bite people or what that have claims, whether they've bitten somebody or not. I don't know if that's true, but I was surprised by that. So the point is just that any dog can bite or can cause a claim, whether somebody's hurt or not, because we have a very litigious society and people will yeah. sue over anything. So having that type of insurance is, I definitely recommend yeah. Especially depending on where you live, because I know California has a one bite rule. If they've bit once before, then you're responsible for any damages after that. And then Mm -hmm. there's some cases where you're responsible on the first one as well. Wow. It's pretty strict here. Yeah, definitely something to be careful about. Yeah. Kara, was there anything that surprised you along your therapy dog journey? Well, I was surprised at some portions of the test, the actual therapy dog test that until we finished it, and then I started to read all the rules, like initially the leave it, why do you have to leave it? You know, your dog has to have such a strict leave it policy. I mean, that's pretty obvious because a patient might say, oh, do you want to treat? And the dog could accidentally, so many elderly patients have such soft skin that they easily could be not bitten, but their skin could tear right open by a dog. So training your dog with a leave it skill is just so important. And so I realized that the more I started to read all the questions, that made a lot more sense. 
Spilled medication was the one I heard for right. That's part of what TDI said was that there can be pills on the floor and spilled, you know, liquids and things and bodily fluids that you don't ever want your dog to touch it. But for my concern was more that my father-in-law is elderly and he has very thin skin. And mm-hmm. I've seen his skin tear, not with Walter, but with just brushing it up against something. And that made me think about how fragile people are and that you have to be so careful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you think Walter's going to like the most about being a therapy dog? Just snuggling people. <laughs> if I sat here all day and held him, I mean, he'd get a little bored at times. You want to go out and chase his ball because really life is all about chasing the ball for him. But he is the most snuggly dog and he would love to just love people because he's so affectionate. Awesome. I think that's pretty much all the questions I have. Was there anything else that you wanted to share or say? I can't wait to get started because I just think it'll be so rewarding. And I would just encourage people to do that. It's just another way that you can give back and extend the bond that you have with your dog to other people, which is kind of what Dog Like Me is all about. So that's why I'm so excited to be able to get started. I think that's really great advice. It can never hurt to train towards being a therapy dog. Even if you find out that it's not for you or it's not for your dog, you still increase the bond with your dog and discovered a lot of new things you can do together. You definitely do. That whole focusing constantly when you're out of the house, or even when you're in the house, when you're training is really a way to strengthen your bond with the dog. So I think that's really important. It works. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Kara. It was fun to be on the other side of interviews with you. (laughs) All right. Great. I can't wait to get started and share more. And we'll be sharing more on Walter's page and eventually on Dog Like Me once we get some actual therapy visits under our belt. And hopefully that will be something people are interested in. That's great. Well, thank you. And right. thank you for joining in. If you haven't shared your story on Dog Like Me, go submit it. Go check out Walter's account to keep following their journey. And thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Sherry. Bye. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Therapy Dog Talk. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a review and rating on the podcast platform of your choice. If you have a guest that you think would be a great fit for Therapy Dog Talk, send me an email at hello at therapydogtalk.com. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.